Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Razorback fans, welcome to episode number 73 of the Hog Talk Podcast. Tonight, Kyle and I will talk about the ending of the regular season for Razorback men's basketball, Arkansas's series victory over South Alabama with Heston Kerstad's game-winning two-run homer, and anything else that we can think of regarding maybe The Bachelor. Ha-ha, it's the season finale this week. We're just kidding. We're not going to talk about that. We're talking about Razorback sports. Kyle, how's it going, man? Well, you took the words right out of my mouth. Heston Kerstad made my weekend, and especially my Sunday, when I, I wasn't watching the end of it. Had to go get some errands done, and I just got the notification from the uh, the app that he had hit that two-run homer. And who else other than him? I mean, there, there's been a lot of guys that have really stepped up at the plate this year, but he's got six home runs at this point, saved the series over South Alabama that we really needed coming off a four-game losing streak and now here you are you're you're eight and five or nine and five and you got a chance to go go back to bomb before you head to starkville this next weekend and head out of there to be 11 and five and uh i don't think you could really ask for much more than that no especially with sec play coming arkansas was really needing to get off that that losing trend and after after that loss on friday that was a devastating loss when they lost seven uh, 13 to six that was tough. Arkansas comes back, and their bats were swinging. The pitching was solid. And then, I mean, tied at 3-3, three to three, Heston Kerstad comes up to the plate with uh, Curtis Washington on a on – a, I mean, Christian Frank was – Chris. it was Curtis. It was Curtis, right? Was on. I believe it oh, was man. Curtis Washington. I, I was yeah. not watching it. Yeah. It, was, it was one of those yeah. two. But – Man, what a bomb out to the uh, right field by Heston Kerstad, a guy that Arkansas really needed to depend on, and and a guy that really, I mean, he's been a very, very productive player in his career at Arkansas, and a lot of fans were kind of thinking after last year, maybe he didn't have the type of a season that he was supposed to, but the guy has really come out his junior season and said, um, he, he's going to do it, uh, pull all the stops and make sure Arkansas is going to be the best team possible. And, and, uh, he's had some timely hits, his timely home runs. And, and that one is still the victory and the series over South Alabama, which is a pretty dang good Sunbelt team. They're picked to win their conference or they were 23rd in the country, uh, in, in some of the rankings. This was a good victory and a, in a victory that, that will help Arkansas, especially going into that uh, their SEC uh, SEC first SEC series next week against Mississippi State. It was big. So, uh, what are your thoughts there uh, on Kerstad and, and the improvement of this team, the pitching, uh, a lot? What are, what are your takes going into SEC play for this Razorback baseball team? Well, I know that there's been a lot of things that have really disappointed us, particularly pitching. It hasn't been up to par. Now, I had actually tweeted earlier this week that I had been worried kind of going up to the season that it was not going to be near what it was last year. And that's kind of expected. You lose good relievers to the draft. Of course, you lose Isaiah Campbell. And then the year before that, you lose Blaine Knight. It's not very often that you have Friday night aces that you had in Campbell and Knight. So you weren't sure – 
or necessarily even expecting Connor Nolan to be at that level. And he's only had three starts up to this point. I, th- I guess it's three starts. So it's, it's really kind of hard to judge at this point. And of course he's also, he's also gone down with an injury, but you really got to look at, at Patrick Wicklander right now, you know, what's going on with him. He was the Sunday guy last year. And of course was the Saturday guy and has had his last two outings against Texas. And then of course, South Alabama just have not been there. Guys like Caleb Bolden have stepped up, and even in the relieving. Now, Zev, I think our best pitchers right now, right now, of course, Nolan, Zev Vermillion, who's been done great at closing, and uh, and also Caleb Bolden. Now, Jacob Burton's done pretty well. He hasn't really given up much. He has had given you a couple of scares, walking a few people. Elijah Tress has done good. Peyton Pellett's done okay. Caden Monk. But it's it's those guys like Kevin Copps, you know, what's going on with him? Patrick Wicklander, what's going on with him? Blake Adams, I think it's going to be a good – he's going to be a good one at some point, but he just hasn't quite gotten it together, but he's, he's a true freshman. So at the plate, they really haven't been as bad as we thought they had. I mean, even in the loss against Illinois State and Texas, you still score seven runs. It's just your pitching wasn't there. So – I think overall that this team is in a pretty good position. It's just, it's baseball. It's the way the last week right. I talked about in 2016 that they started off eight and zero and ended up having the worst season under Dave Van Horn. Well, look, this is about 2015, the halfway point of the season, they're sitting at 500. They turned it on. Andrew Benintendi does his thing. And then you've got guys like Bobby Warren as Tyler Spoon, Trey Killian, they really turn it on and they end up making the world series. So Baseball and basketball are just two of those sports that you you can't. Get, I, I understand the concern. I'm I am concerned even still at this point, as I mentioned about the pitching, but it's just way too early to panic. And I'm not going to panic until it gets to that point where okay, we're losing SEC games down. I hope that doesn't happen. But I'm just saying, if it were to, then that's when you really need to start worrying. Not early in the season, but. You look at a team in South Alabama may not be that massive of a name. I mean, you kind of talked about what their predictions were at the preseason. I still think this was very quality because you got a series out of it, and those are extremely crucial and an extra ultra-tough SEC conference that they're about to be going into. Yeah, you mentioned tough. Arkansas, I mean, preseason-wise, Arkansas was predicted to be a top 10, top 15 team. But the SEC, I mean, you look at Florida, you think about LSU – some of the t- these teams that were really predicted. I mean, they're, they're perennial powers in the SEC. You have Mississippi State. You have Ole Miss. I think they're sitting at 14-0. and 0. I mean, this Alabama's SEC schedule. Alabama is good, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mississippi State. You have so many teams in this league that can give you every night. You're going to have to be running on all cylinders. And Arkansas right now, they may not be winning the ball games like you think they, that you want them to. But if their bats get hot at the right time, the sky's the limit. If these if the pitching gets figured out, the sky's the limit for this team. That's the beauty of baseball. That's the beauty of baseball, Kyle. Because if you get a good pitcher or get a good uh, couple of pitchers in there and, and they have confidence, confidence breeds more confidence, and then you get the swagger back at the plate, that's really what propelled Arkansas to that College World Series run two seasons ago up until the point against Oregon State was Casey Martin, Heston Kerstad, Luke Bonfield, Jared Gates, guys that were stepping up every single night the lights came on at Bomb or on the road or or at a at at T D Ameritrade Park. 
the guys brought it every single night. And that's really what's gonna what it's gonna have to come down to. And I'm gonna read through some of the stats here tonight that we saw with uh, Arkansas and their victory over South Alabama. Yeah, Cole Ramage, he started Sunday's game. Uh, he went three innings with three runs allowed on six hits. He'd walk one, but he struck out four. You know, you, you, you have a guy that he, he gave up three runs, but he struck out four. I mean, he, he's a guy that he's he's great at getting to uh, – he's great at getting two guys out at the plate, but then giving up a run. I mean, it's a backbreaker kind of thing. Two outs, you're not giving up any – you're not surrendering or, any, surrendering or anything up, really. And But he ends up doing it anyway. And then he gave way for Elijah Trask, who, who came in and just pitched a wonderful ball game. Uh, he had three scoreless innings. Uh, he had four strikeouts, gave up two walks, hit a biter. And then Zebulon Vermillion, he took over in the seventh uh, with the game tied at three. I mean, South Alabama didn't score from uh, from the time that Cole Rimmage came out through the end of the ball game. Uh, Zeb came in in the seventh. Uh, he uh, threw another three shutout frames. Uh, he struck out six, got his first win of the year. And uh, Treston Vermillion didn't allow a hit from the fourth inning till the end of the game uh, today. So that was really uh, a way, if you can figure out your pitching, figure out who your guys are, who your studs are. Arkansas really became spoiled, Kyle. I mean, in recent years, like you said, with guys like Blaine Knight, with guys like Isaiah Campbell, it's tough. It's tough being spoiled. And uh, that's what happens when, when you're uh, at the top of your game or at the at the top of college baseball, uh, you, you don't want to ever, uh, especially when Arkansas fans are as passionate as they are, when they're at the top, they want to stay at the top. Well, and this is even going to get more challenging for Coach Van Horn and Matt Hobbs as well, because not only are you having trouble with pitching, but you're you had to move Wicklander up to the Friday. He didn't do yep. very well, as I had mentioned. So you would imagine, so that the game, the series against GCU is Tuesday and Wednesday. you got to imagine Blake Adams is probably going to start one of those games. But then who else is going to step up for that at that point? I mean, GCU is a good team. I'd be honest with you, I've never even heard of them before I looked at the schedule right before the season started. But they started off their first series. They beat – they won the series against Oklahoma State, who was number 22. And then they went and they beat Oregon in a one-game series right after that. And they also – have a win over Stanford as well. So this is a team that you definitely, you can't overlook anybody, but that was kind of, I guess, one of the catch-22s of baseball that I was talking about. Yeah, it's a, it's great because you can catch fire at any time, and whether that be at the end of the season and make a run towards Omaha, but then you also have seasons where teams like Coastal Carolina win the national championship. So they, it can sneak up and bite you at any point. These these weak games can really sneak up and, and get you if you're not careful, and just like Illinois State did on on Wednesday. Yeah, that was a Tuesday, shocker. Whenever it was. Yeah, nobody saw that coming. I didn't see it coming. Who's Illinois State? <laughs> yeah, obviously no way, no way that I believe that was. They they did get a game over. Now they came in at three and seven at the time. Yeah. Now they did win one game in the series with OU. So I was like, well, you know, you can get anybody at any time. But I definitely Absolutely. did not see them coming in and and doing what they did. Right. So uh, after. After uh, the fourth inning went on, I mean, Arkansas, he came in, and uh, Christian Franklin had a solar homer. Uh, they said it went 382 feet over the left field wall, made it 3-2, to two, 
And then uh, Webb brought in Kerstaff from third to uh, tie the game up. And, I mean, nobody scored from that point on until the uh, walk-off two-run homer by Heston Kerstad, which was a beautiful hit, beautiful, I mean, beautiful way to end the ball game. And they said uh, that may have been the first walk-off home run since James McCann against LSU on April 9, 2011. That's crazy. Can you believe that? Can you I, believe I did that? not re- out of all the out of all the electrifying games that we've seen in Arkansas baseball in the last 10 11 years it's crazy that that it's been that long but yeah. as great as they are I I wouldn't be too hurt if if we didn't have to see them that often yeah no <laughs> and, and really you think about it it really hasn't it really hasn't had many walk off home runs for for wins you think about Luke Bonfield's uh season or not season, but a series tying game in the Supers, or was it the Regionals, uh, two years, three years ago, uh, Luke Bonfield against Missouri State, where it hit the mound and then bounced out <laughs> into the outfield. Yeah. Uh, and then you had Casey Opitz last year. He had a he drilled one to the uh, right field down the line. And you think about it, I mean, really, there's not been any home runs that you can think of i mean you, you can think of a few of them but none recently and that's what shocked me i think about it and there really hasn't been any uh big home runs like that besides base hits for for wins so that was even more impressive i mean heston kerstad that guy he's looking like the guy we thought he was going to be as a freshman and if we can get that out of casey uh casey martin too Man, this this team could be really special. You've got a Jacob Nesbitt kid, uh, Robert Moore who can who can turn at second, and man, this team this team has the keys to be successful. It just is it going to happen? That's the that's the big question. Well, the great thing about Kerstead is on top of his skill, like you think of Casey Opitz and how patient he is at the plate and how patient we've wanted Casey Martin to be at the plate, which we've seen in the last right. few games that he is since, since he sat out against Baylor, he's been a lot better. He's not swinging at the breaking balls near as much. but Heston leads the team out of guys that have played the most significant that have started 12, 13 games or four well, or 14 in his case up through today. He's been at bat 59 times and he struck out eight. So he leads the team in at-bats, and then has the least amount of strikeouts. A guy that has the power and the talent that he has, that as as patient at the plate as he is, that's that's just extremely dangerous. And like I said, he's at six home runs right now. This team could catch fire. He could continue to be even better. Even We've, we've seen the improvements, as you mentioned, from last season. Now, he had a great freshman year. Did, didn't do bad last year. But we had heard heard Coach Van Horn say just how much more powerful and how much better he was at the plate, and that's just a scary combination. Now, not for us. That's great for us, but for other teams. And just to have that much patience the way that he has and, and yeah. how well he's done on defense as well. Uh, he's just, man, this this kid will be special, I think, not just with the, as in a Razorback uniform to finish out his career, but even at the bigs. Yeah, and – Really, this team has been very good. I mean, one of the underrated guys is Christian Franklin out there at the outfield. But going into this weekend, obviously these uh, stats haven't been updated on the uh, Razorback.com site. But Christian Franklin, he's batting 426. Hesting Herstad was batting 424 going into the series. The only two guys that are uh, over 400 
uh, besides Dominic Tomas, who's played a little bit. He started two games at catcher. But, man, the, this team, if they can get it together with these bats, they, they could be really solid. Uh, really quick, we're going to uh, talk a little bit about uh, Corey Hyman and his services at uh, Hyman Services Northwest Arkansas. If you guys need a handyman, he is the way to go. He says, is your to-do or honey-do list too long to tackle? Are your DIY skills likely to fail you? Oh, mine sure are, Corey. Do you wish you had a handy friend who could do what they promised without breaking the bank? Hyman Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handymen. Our customer reviews speak volumes. Check Hyman Services out on Facebook or call us today for any interior or exterior project around your home or business. We do repairs and installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, patios, fencing, and so much more. Call Corey and Heinemann Services at 479-347-9336 and tackle your to-do list without getting your hands dirty. Boy, man, if I could just find somebody that could that could do that for me, that would be great. <laughs> Call Corey Heinemann and uh, Heinemann Services up there because I am not a handyman. I don't know about you, Kyle, but... Man, I, I got to call somebody every time I need to use a hammer. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much I, it's I'm ashamed to uh, say that that I did not listen to my father the amount of times that I should have growing up. But uh, I I uh, as I can mow a yard and I can install a flower bed, but when it comes to fixing things, it's not really my forte. Look, look, I can't even hold a flashlight. <laughs> That's my thing. I can't even I can't even hold the flashlight right. So I I've never was really cut out for that. Now I have really kind of learned some of uh, some of the green thumb. My my yard looks pretty good right now, but but uh, we'll see what it looks like come uh, when spring starts budding even more. See if uh, those things actually didn't die over the course of the winter. So let's talk about a little bit some some Razorback basketball. Talk about some Mason Jones, Isaiah Joe. What are your take off another heartbreaking loss this time? At the hands, oh man, I hate them. I absolutely despise them. I can't, I can't stand any. I can't stand them. I, well, I the can't. the game man, it, could it not tough, have. The Aggies suck. The Aggies suck. I, I just can't stand them. I can't stand Missouri, <laughs> and it's really starting to tick me off that we can't beat anybody uh, of of teams that I felt like. Before they came to the SEC, I thought we were we were we would end up being the more dominant program. But really, I can't stand them. I hate the Aggies. I hate the Missouri Tigers, and uh, they they have learned. I have learned to be humbled over the past uh, past almost decade since those two teams have come into the SEC. Well, the game the pretty much played right into their hands in terms of Mason Jones getting into foul trouble early and, and sitting a lot of the first half. And you get out re- – another game, it just seems like we've been talking about this for so long where you get out-rebounded 41-25. to 25. But A&M also is, – is, I've talked about this multiple times, that they are one of the hottest teams, especially entering SEC play. In my opinion, Buzz Williams is the, the coach of the year. I get it. Calipari, from what they – what they did in non-con, getting beat by Evansville and then coming into the SEC and doing as well as they have. I know he's got all these five-star players, and it's it, the argument is, in which I've said it too, that you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. I still think, even though he is doing what he's supposed to do, he's done a stellar coaching job this year. But Buzz Williams, 
from what they they weren't even projected to maybe get but three to four wins, if that, by some people this year. I know Aaron Torres from Fox Sports Radio tweeted that he had talked to a couple of coaches within or, or a couple of people associated with the SEC that after their non-con that they didn't even believe that A&M would win a single conference game. And here they are finishing 10 and 8. It's they're they're playing hot as it is and it's it was a road game, but when Mason Jones had to sit, you really outside of Isaiah Joe, you just didn't really get a whole lot of production. Ethan Henderson, yeah, he had five rebounds, but still just is really not that great. He he played okay against LSU. I think he scored what seven, eight points. But then off the bench, Desi Seals has been your stud for the last month. And he, he hits his free throws, but he goes 0 for besides that. 0 for 3 in, on three-point. And then from the field, he went 0 for 4. So it's that was the that's, that was the problem when Isaiah was out. Mason Jones was just doing so much, as great of a season as he has had. I know you wanted to touch on that. But you just didn't get much production when Mason wasn't in. And that's just that's just not a key to, to success, obviously. No. That's how it's been all year, though. I mean, you even when Isaiah Joe is out, Mason would show up. The guy's been money over the past month and a half, and it's just a shame that that Arkansas they needed one more guy this year, maybe two. And if Connor Vanover had had been approved his waiver, I mean, this team would be totally different. I think I think Connor would be a key for three to four more victories. And I don't think I don't think Connor's an NBA guy. Honestly, don't. I don't think he's going to be a guy that in the future goes on and, and does great professionally doing doing things outside of basketball. But the guy he's going to be able to affect, he's not the biggest guy. He's not going to he's not going to post you up. He's not going to do any of that. But he can stretch the court the way Musselman wants him to do and, and utilize the court. And so that's really going to be the fun thing. And, and I mean, you look at Jalen Williams, he's the same way. He's not a back to the basket guy. And I think he can get his own. But he's going to be a guy next year. Arkansas is going to have the guys and the weapons to really make a good run at the NCAA tournament next year. And, I mean, they're going to have the outside shooters. They're going to have the inside game. They're going to have a guy that can do the mid-range game. And if Mason Jones comes back, he's he's going to be your do-it-all fella. And I think this team could be very, very, very dangerous going into the next season. Yeah, advice. I do too, and I and I, I wouldn't be shocked if Mason does stay. Uh, I think that Isaiah definitely will. Uh, now, again, I'm not speaking for either one of them. This is just my opinion, but especially with the injury that Isaiah had had, I think that he's going to stay. I think both of them do, and it's maybe going to be it's going to be one of the most talented rosters, especially with the guys you got coming in since I can remember. And of course, you know, yes, we do still have this season, but. It's it's hard really not and I know that's just it seems like forever Razorback fans are always like next year next year next year but this is one of the most especially if those guys those two do indeed come back this will be the most exciting season again that I can remember at least in my teenage to adult life because I remember a little bit of the 90s I mean I I remember the Pat Bradley days and the Brandon Dean days pretty well even though I was a really young kid. I still remember flashes of Scott of Scotty and and Corliss those type of days. But I really can't think of if you have a guy like you have guys like Isaiah Joe and Mason Jones coming back, and then you've got Connor Vanover that will be eligible next year. Our JD Note, you've heard a lot of great things about him, plus this number five recruiting class. Oh man, that's uh, that that that's super stoked. That, that just makes you more excited than you can think. If if Musselman can win twenty games with the with the talent that he had at hand this year, I. 
I know uh, he won't win coach of the year, but that's a heck of a coaching job that he was able to do. And and Mason Jones, my gosh, that guy, he deserves every single amount of praise that anybody can give him. The guy's humble. He, he, he never credits himself. He always credits God or credits Coach Musselman, credits his teammates. The guy's an upstanding individual, and, and really he's a humble man that, I mean, he's at this spot in his life because of, because of the talent and the ability and the way that he's been able to improve. I mean, last year we saw glimpses of what he could do. This year he brought it. What's going to happen next year? I mean, you're going to – the thing is you're going to have more mouths to feed. I don't think you're going to have that issue with, with Mason wanting to share the ball. I think you'll be more than happy uh, to have a couple more minutes to breathe, uh, a couple more minutes to sit and enjoy it. And a guy that's that's healthy, fully healthy and uh, energized and, and able to sit a little bit more, there, I mean, his per 40 minutes are, uh, statistics are going to jump up a lot next year if you can get the – production out of Moses Moody, K.K. Robinson, Devontae Davis, and Jalen Williams. And, really, there's no telling what kind of transfers could Coach Musselman bring in. You know, he does like that free agent market there, Kyle. Uh, Well, I don't know if he's going to have any scholarships left, is he? With what the guys that he has coming in and the ones that are on scholarship right now – if, especially if Mason and Isaiah come back, then there won't be any room. If he, I, even if just one of them, I'm pretty sure. Well, what if you have a guy like a Jalen Harris? You know, you don't want to ever speculate on guys leaving. But, I mean, it's the part of it. I mean, there's so many moving parts in basketball. I mean, everybody thought that Adrian Bailey was going to be a guy that would leave, but he comes back this year and really has an outstanding season per his career as an Arkansas Razorback, would you see maybe a Jalen Harris transferring out, maybe being a graduate transfer somewhere else? I mean, you really don't know. But, I mean, obviously Arkansas has been active uh, covering their bases, so to speak, uh, in case something does happen. I mean, they've offered a couple of guys, or not offered, but they've actually been in contact with a couple of guys that have announced their intent to transfer from their former school. So, uh, really... I mean, 19 and 12 is what Arkansas ended up with. They went 7 and 11 in conference. Now, I remember watching one of the uh, uh, BPI, the Basketball Power Index, uh, during the middle of a game. I think it was Arkansas versus South Carolina. It was during that stretch where Isaiah Joe was absent. And the graphic come up, and they the BPI really much pretty much predicted that Arkansas would go 7 and 11 in conference play from then on out. Now I looked at my wife and I said, at that point and I said, there's no way we go seven and 11 in conference play. Not with the, with the way Mason Jones is playing, not without Isaiah Joe. If Isaiah Joe can come back, lo and behold, ESPN was actually correct. That was really shocking to me uh, that the basketball power index actually knew what, what it was talking about or uh, the statistics that it brings in and, and informs this decision. I was really shocked. So, so ESPN did have it right. Arkansas, they didn't – I mean, they were picked, predicted to go uh, finish 11th in the conference. That's pretty much about where they finished this season. And, and I mean, they got the 11th – or was it the 10th seed? It was 10th or 11th seed that they're playing. 11th. Uh, 11th. Yeah, playing South. Vanderbilt. So, so they pretty much finished where they were predicted to go to. So they play Vanderbilt on Wednesday. What are your takes there? What Do you, do you think they'll 
uh, be able to beat Vandy, who actually did come off a victory over South Carolina on Saturday. Yeah, Vandy's coming off of a two-win streak, and of course they've been down this really the last couple of years. They've been at the bottom of the SEC, but of course you now Aaron Neesmith went down, and but they've been even in the games that they've lost, they've they've really done a lot better in the second half of the season. I will say that I, I agree with what you were saying. They did get a better draw. If you're really going to compare each bracket, they did get a better draw than having to possibly play Georgia or Florida. I, I would much rather be more comfortable with playing Vanderbilt and then advancing to play South Carolina and then the winner of that game advancing to play LSU. I think that they do have a very good shot to at least get to the quarterfinals. But the problem with that is if kind of like what we were saying earlier, what we were both talking about with depth, if you had one or two guys extra that could keep you fresh, we, we mentioned, especially when Isaiah Joe went down, how they looked fatigued playing a game on Saturday and then turning right back around and doing it on Tuesday or Wednesday. Well, these guys, are, of course, are in shape, but these playing 35-plus minutes the entire season, plus with Isaiah Joe being out the six or so games that he was, I guess you can – technically seven, even though he wasn't, he played against Alabama, but was not effective. That's just, I I just don't know that they could make it. I I think that with how competitive they are, that they could make it five days, but I I just don't see them making it past LSU. It's just really hard for me to think that, that they'll be able to hold up that long. Yeah. And I think a lot of fans there, they were so body. And when Arkansas went 12 and one, I, I still held my reservations thinking, if something ever happens to this team, that they lose one of their key players, the season's over. Like, they're not going to win any games. When they are rolling, they get it rolling. I mean, they they were 18-7 and seven with Isaiah Joe, and and they, were, they weren't very good without Isaiah Joe. And it just shows how valuable it was with him being able to spread the court, uh, how much of an offense that Arkansas was able to put out there. And then with Mason Jones, he had to do it all. The guy scored 36 against South Carolina. The next night he scored 40 against uh, Auburn, had to score at will against Alabama to win that game. And then by the time they went to the, on the road against Missouri, I mean, they they lost that one in, by about seven or ten points. Mason only scored 17 uh, that night. But, I mean, Arkansas was gassed. I mean, Jimmy Witt couldn't do anything because, I mean, no, I mean the, the floor wasn't spread. The mid-range game wasn't there. Mason Jones basically had to single-handedly keep his team in the ball game, and that just shows you if Arkansas, like us, like we said, if they had two extra guys there, I mean, this team could be could have been a challenger, maybe in the upper echelon of of the SEC, and that's what I'm looking forward to the next season. But you look into uh, this this postseason, say they beat Vanderbilt, South Carolina, and and LSU, and they go into uh, the semifinals against maybe an Auburn. Auburn's Auburn's right there in that bracket too. Uh, team Arkansas uh, almost beat at home. I mean, you put them on a neutral court. The way that uh, Auburn's Auburn's offense is, they love to go up and down the court all night long and shoot a bunch of threes. Arkansas obviously has one of the best three-point defenses in the conference. If you can if you can keep that uh, offense contained. Maybe keep uh, LSU's uh, uh, some of LSU's key players contained. Arkansas could make a run in the SEC tournament if they can if they can keep uh, <laughs> a good stock of IVs. That, that's what uh, that's all I've got to say about that. 
Really looking forward to it. And uh, Vanderbilt with Jerry Stackhouse, it's kind of a disappointing uh, deal what's really happened to Vanderbilt basketball. Once a proud program under uh, under uh, what was his name? Kevin, Kevin Stallings. Kevin Stallings. Oh, my gosh. Every time you had to play Vanderbilt, you always knew you were in for a ball game. I bet they're wishing uh, uh, they hadn't uh, kind of sent Stallings out of town. I bet they're wishing they could have uh, could at least kept him for a couple more years. Now he's really starting to get it going at Pitt. Well, but, he got in trouble at Pitt recently. Did didn't I see something about that on Twitter? I want to say that there was. I, I don't know exactly what the details are, but I'm pretty sure a couple of weeks ago I, I saw something about him getting in trouble with like recruiting violations oh, or something. Man, I must miss that. I, I think that. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this up here and see if I can't find it. But yeah, there was something I want to say it was maybe like two weeks ago that uh, he came out recruiting violations i'm trying to find it here but yeah let's see announced a three-year show cause penalty for former pittsburgh basketball oh so he's not even i get oh so he's not even there anymore was that uh, wow yeah crazy. yeah that, that's that's uh, I, I i knew that i had heard something it was it was on february 20th and uh so yeah he had a show cause from the from the ncaa because I, I knew that he had he had gone from there and went to pittsburgh but after that i really yeah. kind of lost track of him uh, he he's had he had a really good run there at Vanderbilt, especially with guys like Shane Foster, and he had some pretty good players coming through uh, Vanderbilt. And then, I mean, Vanderbilt's been snake bitten. I mean, under uh, under their previous coach with the uh, Bryce, I mean, he was he Bryce Drew. He he had some pretty good players. They had that Darius Garland kid last year, and he got injured like two or three games into the season. And you just hate to see that that uh, how they were snake bitten. But Arkansas, I mean, without Neesmith in there, Arkansas has the ability to say, "Hey, pick up this victory. Let's go in the night too." Uh, never want to count your chickens before you hatch, but you really had to be pleased if you're Arkansas fans uh, being able to go into the SEC tournament with the schedule you have. So, uh, really, man, I'm trying to think of what else we have on tap tonight. Oh, what are your I'm thoughts gonna, on Mason I'll, Jones? I was gonna say I was gonna add this about Kevin Stallings. So I just happened. I just realized how out of touch I guess we both are on this because I'm I'm shell shocked. He he has not been the coach since 2018. He went four and 32 really? in conference play. So 2016 to 2000, oh he was there for gosh. two seasons. I, I swear I did not know anything about this. He went four and 32 in conference, 24 and 41 overall. I swear that he was actually getting. So whoever's up there right now, I think that they're actually a pretty decent program. I. I thought that Jeff it was still Cable. him. Had no idea. You, you learn Cable. something new every the, single the day. The guy from Duke. The guy from Duke, Jeff Capel. You remember he was an assistant Is coach. I think there? he might have coached at Oklahoma. Yeah. 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 You remember the he coached at Oklahoma or Indiana one. I want to say, man, I may, I may be so out of touch. So That's he was, crazy. He was, yeah, he was at Oklahoma. Of course, he played against Arkansas in the national championship in '94. He was with the Grant Hill and Cherokee Parks and all those guys. Yeah. And he was the head coach. He was the head coach at VCU, then Oklahoma, and then assistant at Duke, and then yeah, now Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, I thought that's who that was. No, I don't know why I was thinking that Stallings was still the coach there, but uh, yeah, I, I just now jogged my memory. It is Capel up there. Yeah, that's, mm. that was so weird. The the days of Vanderbilt being such a, you hated going to Memorial Gym. Yeah, it was tough. I still do. I remember in 2017. <laughs> yeah, when when uh. 
was it Daryl Macon that hit that shot? And then he was doing yeah, the yeah. ice water in the veins. And of course they got that lady flipping off everybody as, as Arkansas stormed the court. That was a huge win. Cause that was still when they were a respectable program and that was a big win. Yeah. Any, yeah. any time it's kind of like going when you're playing Mississippi state now, like it seems like they've been the thorn in our side. That's kind of how Vanderbilt was at those, in those days. Yeah. I remember, man, it was probably back in 06 that year Ronnie Brewer was still playing up there and and he that team Vanderbilt they got called for probably 10 fouls that whole contest shot 40 free throws in that game I think Arkansas only shot 13 and still almost won the ball game oh man I was so mad about it. I mean and I remember that Michael Qualls you remember the Michael Qualls game where uh, he th- hit that three at the buzzer or not buzz uh, at the at the buzzer at the shot clock buzzer is what mm-hmm. it was about five years ago. Michael Qualls hit that three in the corner. Uh, really, really got that uh, ball rolling. We've actually had pretty good success going to Vanderbilt here recently, but a lot of that had to do with they're on their way down and Arkansas was on their way up under Mike Anderson at that point with Dusty Hannah's that crew. Uh, man, <laughs> a lot of good memories uh, on, on this basketball team. I mean, you wish you could go a little bit further. Um you remember a few weeks ago we were talking about guys that we that were from the state of Arkansas that never re- never uh, came to Arkansas that never yeah. really that never wore the Razorback red. Mm-hmm. You know a guy that I wish we could have had uh, in those days. Understand Heath and Pelfrey, James Anderson at a Junction City. Oh yeah, I remember James very well. Very oh, well. oh my State. gosh. He yeah. was your, I think, was he in it? He was yeah, a year, so he was actually he year class older than the year me. before. He was 07, right. I was 08. Now, of course, we we were in 4A, James, Junction City was, was 2A, but I remember yeah. him very well. Actually, I, I knew a good bit of people from down in your area, around El Dorado, Junction City area, and I remember one of my buddies when, when James was, I guess I was a freshman and James was a sophomore, he said, you need to remember this name. He's going to be an absolute stud. And apparently from the things that I had heard, he never had any interest in playing for Arkansas. No, he wanted yeah. to go to, I don't know if he wanted to go to Oklahoma state the entire time, but I do know for a fact that Stan Heath was at a lot of junction basketball yeah. games. Yeah. As a young kid, a young high school player that, that had just started following Razorback basketball. It was kind of, it was kind of heartbreaking because he was a McDonald's all American and he would have really changed the course of uh, the, the Razorbacks at that point in the early two thousands. Well, and, and you, you don't think back. about Junction as a basketball school. Junction oh. was a football and weightlifting powerhouse in the 2A under David Carpenter. Of course, his dad, Sporty, was was a legendary coach at Henderson State. I mean, it was the football family. And, and I mean, what did David win? Like six or seven state championships there? You know, Jamario Bell, Alan yeah. Turner, former former Razorbacks that played for him. But Byron yeah, James Jones. Anderson. Byron Jones, yeah, there was so many so many kids, and a lot of them ended up going D two or to Louisiana Tech. You know, Rustin's not too far away, but you, you, then you get James Anderson out of just tiny old Junction City, and he's a McDonald's All American, and Arkansas can't get him. But I, I don't even know so much just from the things that I had heard, just from the and you may know more than me being in that area, but kind of from the writings on the wall that I got, he just really didn't. I don't know if it's that he didn't really have any interest in going up to Fayetteville. Or he didn't want to play for Stan Heath, which I guess that was he was recruited by Stan Heath, but would have ended up playing by his sophomore year, maybe for Pelfrey, I want to say. Yeah. So he would probably play his freshman year under, under Stan Heath. But 
yeah, that was just one of those that I, I just don't know that he really, and again, I can't confirm that, but I, I don't know that he actually ever even wanted to go up there. So funny story about Byron Jones from Junction City. So back in the day, uh, Old Union had a school. Old Union was a little community outside of El Dorado going towards uh, the Monticello-Warren area. And uh, that's where I played uh, junior high and one year of high school ball at. And Byron Jones, we were sitting, we were, I was sitting down. I had to, I, I got just got taken out of the ball game. And one of my buddies, he, his name was uh, Jamarius. He was out there down low with Byron Jones having to guard him. And they got teed up for, uh, not teed up, but they got a, it, it was a loose ball. And, Byron Jones picked the uh, picked Jamarius up with the ball in his hands and <laughs> twirled him around like a teacup. You know the teacup at a uh, at Disney World and it just started spinning spinning him around. That was the first time I'd ever met Byron Jones and he had picked picked Jamarius up off the floor with the ball and spun him around. Yeah, and that was that probably kid, in eighth or ninth was... grade. He was yeah. big. He was already a yeah, hoss I mean, at that point. Yeah. I remember him going up over me for a rebound and his elbows coming back on my shoulders. I don't think I could lift my arms for about two or three weeks. And that was probably eighth or ninth grade. I mean, that dude was a hoss. And, uh, yeah, James Anderson was one of those guys that you really wish you could have got. I bet I know a lot of teams that would, really would have wanted him. What's one guy you think of that you wish you could have had uh, be a raiser? It could be any sport. You know, James was one that I would say, too, because, you know, you don't I guess it's because it was a while ago that you just don't hear about him right now. You hear about Malik Monk and you hear about still hear about Kayvon Allen. And even though Reggie Perry wasn't from Arkansas, he was committed. So you hear about guys like that. But James would have probably been since that was around the time that I was at in high school as well. For me, I would say mine would be for football, and that's A.J. Whitmore. He was at a – so Nashville and, and Central Arkansas Christian. Of course, I went to, to CAC. That, that was a pretty big rivalry from about 04 to my senior year in 07 because in 2004, CAC went down there. Of course, they we had a, a kid named Jesse Gates at quarterback that if he would have been about two inches taller, um, I, I still swear that he's one of the best players in state history that you don't ever hear about. But we went down there, went and beat them in the semifinals, then won state that year. The next year, they beat us in the state championship. And then my junior year, so this this was the beginning of Nashville's three-peat from 05 to 07. And it was kind of a rivalry. And A.J. was, was a, a year older than me. He ended up playing at Tulsa for Gus Malzahn, was a wide receiver. Besides Michael Dyer, I think he's the best player I ever played against. And I'm, I'm as great as Michael Dyer was. I'm not really too sad. We missed out on him. Uh, you saw what happened at Auburn and how his career turned out. But AJ Whitmore for football for me was one that we really missed out on. I think that he was an extremely underrated player and he did some really good things at Tulsa. Well, do you remember Kenneth Dixon at a strong, I I'm going to keep it in Union County. That guy, he, he was such an unstoppable force at a strong. I mean, that guy had, I think he had 3,500 yards rushing his senior year at strong. I mean, the guy was, I mean, he tore junction city up. I think in that state championship game, he for like a tune of 330 yards and the guy did it by himself. There was, there was nobody else that strong that, that had any else of talent that year. Well, on Dixon set some guys. records. Yeah. He, he said, he's yeah. He set records like national records at he Louisiana came, tech. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. That that guy is one I really wish Arkansas would have gone after. Of course, it had to be uh, the season between Bobby Petrino wrecking his motorcycle and John L. Smith and uh, Arkansas, just the incompetence of, of the recruitment of the state of Arkansas at that in, in those two years. I don't really know about the whole recruiting story, and I wish I knew Katie personally. I've watched him play a lot. Uh, the final two years of his uh, high school career at Strong. But the guy was an absolute phenomenal athlete, Louisiana Tech. And to score 81 or 82 career touchdowns, and then the next week for it to be broken by the guy at Navy, who was the quarterback, you, you really <laughs> hurt for yeah. him. But That's that, what it was. I remember that. Yeah. Now. Yeah. 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 It was bowl season. Broken the very next week. Yeah. It was kind of like one of those unbreakable records you think of, like Ladani and Tomlinson's 408 yards rushing in one game at TCU, and then uh, in 2014, like 15 years later, it's it's broken by uh, Samaj Piran at OU, and then the next week it's broken again. Was, was it <laughs> by, Melvin uh, Gordon that broke? Mel, by Melvin Gordon, yeah. yeah Melvin Gordon, by, yeah, I remember that. That was incredible. Just uh, just crazy stuff that 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 went on, and I, but yeah, there was there was that Kenneth Dixon guy. That's one I really wish Arkansas could have got. There's no telling if he had the SEC speed or what he could have done against the SEC, but what he did in his time at Louisiana Tech was impressive. A guy that I really wish Arkansas could have got on. Uh, so, so uh, Kyle, do you have any other words you want to tell uh, Razorback Nation or? Or you think we're done for the night? I think that'll cover it, man. They got to hear our rambling of the uh, the players that never played in a Razorback uniform. So hopefully that brought back some memories for some people. Yeah. Yeah. We we, we brought that up. I mean, uh, Hog Sports, uh, the guys on Facebook, uh, go give them a follow. Uh, uh, Adam Hall and all his guys over there. Give them a shout. That was where uh, that topic really came from. So uh, for episode Number 73 of the Hog Talk Podcast. This is Jacob Davis, your host. And as always, uh, or, and I really like him. I really like having him as a side partner uh, when Porter's not here. Uh, our, our thoughts and our prayers are with Porter and his family uh, as he deals with the uh, passing of his mom. So so fans, uh, thank Definitely. you for tuning in. And, and, and yeah, give your thoughts and prayers up uh, for Porter and his family. I think that'll do it for uh, – this episode. Hope you guys enjoyed. Good night and go hogs. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.